This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, also the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny, and joining us by phone today in the interests of social distancing is the principal second violin and artistic administrator of the TSO, Merwin Sue. Hello, Merwin. It is so weird to be on the other side of this line. Yeah, tell me where you are right now talking to us. <laughs> I am sitting on the back porch, uh, which is not the kind of sunny pina colada sort of thing that <laughs> sounds. It is actually very, very wintry right now. Yeah, the the back porch of of your house, right? Not some bar yeah, down absolutely. the street. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's just, outside of WGTE right yeah. now. We just oh, want to make sure. <laughs> we just we want to make sure. Okay, well, today's show is being released, as you may know, on April 1st. And, you know, in the in the age of coronavirus, we hesitate to do an April Fool's episode. In fact, we're calling this, uh, you know, not April Fool's, but we decided that we needed to be funny anyway. So, April Fool's, we're going to go ahead <laughs> and do an April Fool's show. Remind me never to celebrate a holiday with you. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can all use some levity right now, and, and we hope that all of our listeners do, too. Of course, that means that we have to be funny and not just think we're funny. So, you know, pressure's on, Merwin, out there on your back porch. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, first of all, uh, let's talk about this project that you've spearheaded online, Merwin, that has really taken off. It's very popular, inspired by sporting events that would normally happen this time of year but are not happening and you've sort of repurposed it for the world of composing and music, and it's a lot of fun. I want to hear you explain for us what it is. Absolutely, and I think this is actually something that uh, a long time ago, uh, one of Felicia's predecessors at the marketing position, Ashley Marekian, and I, uh, we did this at a party, and it was an incredible amount of fun. We took... Um, uh, Hang on a second, a I have a... Down. Let me... Get a little music, background music for you. Okay, let me pull that down. All right, Merwin, you're up. Tell us all about it. So there I was at the gym. <laughs> 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 April Fools. <laughs> I am so confused right now. So, what, so typically during the month of March, uh, college basketball is a huge thing and it's something that because of the coronavirus we're missing we're missing all of these great tournament games and so we're very very excited to present a bracket of composers that was basically inspired by this sort of thing you take 64 different composers you kind of rank them um, you, the one seeds are maybe the most popular composers, the ones who you think will go the furthest in the bracket. And then the 16 seeds are the glad to be here composers. <laughs> and some, maybe the composers who had a tough regular season, you know, something like that. And then we face <laughs> them off one against the other in a kind of a, it's a, it's kind of like Brahms versus Radiohead, but totally different. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. Sure. What are seeds? So well, they're these little of, things that you put in the ground. Right? That's actually where you, it comes you, from. You water them, yeah. make sure they get plenty of sun. 
Merwin, am do you I, know the answer? Am I on the right track, Merwin? I'll, I'll, I'll let Zach take this question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody wants to touch this. Yeah, so it actually, yay. It, um, yay. <laughs> um, it's bad when I do it. Um, so it, it comes from tennis, I think. Um, golf? Tennis. Uh, it comes from another sport. And uh, so it used to be the same sort of thing where you would um, you create the, the ladders, what we think of as a bracket now, but you create ladders of, of teams uh, but of players, so um, you'd put the the best players in front on like a little sl- slip of paper, and then uh, uh, progressively less best um, players farther back, um, and that looked like little seedling packets. Um, so they started calling them seeds, and then you'd put the uh, tournaments together based on the one at the back and the one at the front. So just like you kind of plant your garden, the best are at the front, and the stuff you don't need as much is at the back. I, I like my explanation better. What do you think? Um, I, I'm learning a lot from both yeah. of you. Have you yeah. ever planted a garden, Felicia? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, I have uh, a black I have thumb, limited so. life experiences. <laughs> I was yeah. born in the 80s. We never let her out of the office, folks. <laughs> no, but you, you do you do have a pet rock collection, as we know. So. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about yeah. that, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the composers. First of all, give us examples, Merwin, of these first seed composers, the ones that, you know, we think are going to last the longest. Who's included in that group? So, I, because I started the challenge, I decided to establish the first seeds, and those were Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, and Wagner. And Wagner was actually, I think Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart were the easiest choices mm. for the three seeds. And that fourth seed one is a really tricky choice. There's I, so yeah. many composers who you could put there. And Wagner is actually not one of my favorite composers, <gasps> which might be why I actually paired him against a really tough opponent in the 16 seeds, but he still won anyway. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And an upset, I guess you would say. A little bit of an well, upset. Not really. Well, he was, was a preferred seed. I was hoping for the upset. So I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. Um, how did you pick fourth place? Why did you end up with Wagner? And whom else did you consider? Wagner is definitely extraordinarily influential. I think that was, I think I went with that, that body of influence as opposed to necessarily, I tried to take my personal feelings out of it, which has not been the way the bracket has evolved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bracket has evolved to be a, a massive cesspool of personal feelings, which is wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's been great. <laughs> but but that's, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I decided that I wanted, I wanted uh, you know, a composer with a great deal of influence. And I think also somebody who you can talk about a lot. Like Wagner, no matter what, people have opinions about. And I think... When we're doing this, I mean, this is the actual objective is not to determine the greatest composer in the history of the world, which is, of course, the exact stated objective that I said it was. <laughs> That's I was going to right, because that. I, I would save you all the time it, that you are wasting right now by just telling you it's, it's going to be Mahler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The objective yeah. is to have these fun conversations and to stimulate all this fun discussion and to, you know, to have a lot of fun with it. And I thought that Wagner, putting Wagner as a first seed would definitely do that. Who was he against? Who was the 16 seed that he was against in the first round? Puccini, right? Puccini, yeah. Two opera greats. (laughs) Two opera giants there. Wow. And Wagner won. I mean, there's some interesting... 
There's some interesting matchups that, that have come out of this between different composers and people voting. Um, mm-hmm. can, can you name, you guys name some of the more interesting yeah. ones or the ones that had more engagement? So I think that the, so the, the way the tournament sets up is the first seeds match up against the 16th seeds, the second seeds match up against the 15th seeds, and then it kind of goes as a third versus 14th, etc. So the eight, nine seeds have had some really, really interesting matchups. And, and who, who picked those? Totally, totally by coincidence. And this is actually true. I didn't realize this until I was no, trying to rigged together. it. <laughs> I did not. Felicia chose the nine seeds, and Zach chose the eight seeds. Wow, so you guys were, were facing off each other, right? Every time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get and away. Really <laughs> and I was like, I, first I sent this message to them. It's like, don't worry, guys. You don't have to try to root for the composers. It's not personal. And, of course, it became intensely personal. Yeah, Felicia's <laughs> really competitive. I'm just going to point this out. No, no, well, it's just I fun. Get a little, it's fun, guys. I, I got a taste of that when we had <laughs> Felicia's Copeland up Should against we read the, read somebody's, the <laughs> somebody's Dvorak. Right. And, and I originally voted for Copeland. And then I saw they were tied, and I was like, hey, if I switch over to Dvorak now, he'll be in the lead, Right. It, it wasn't. It wasn't all that. It was. I was well, mo- you, motivated. You realized by the that if you had to pick, like you can't let that Copeland guy win because you probably thought, like I did, that Dvorak yeah. would easily run away with it. I, actually, I didn't pay attention to it being. <laughs> That's what I thought. Dvorak. I, I was just like hitting buttons, but <laughs> but Felicia <laughs> took it quite personally <laughs> that I abandoned her, and you tried to abandon. That's a, you, the right you, word. You tried to. <laughs> You tried to bribe me back into Copeland with with ch- cookies or something. It, it was quite a quite yeah, an interaction. Deets chocolate. I want to just point out. Yes, go yeah. to Deets's. Okay. Well, I was close. Uh, I um. Should we do a dramatic reading of the comments because they're quite epic? Well, you have the comments there, so you have Actually, to do all I, the voices. It won't load. You have to do I all think the voices. Zach, Zach I don't even remember what. Uh, it was the longest thread. It was like what. 80 comments. Here, let me bring in our And then there was just a lot of. <laughs> I laughed so hard at the. Um, at how quickly people responded to one another. You have to yeah. bear with me. I can't, for some reason, no. I can't load it. That. Does Merwin have it? But he's on the phone. No. no Let, I, I'll, let's I'll, hang on a second while you go ahead here. and get it. There, Divorce Shot Copeland. I just saw it. There it is. Okay. It's like it knows that I was talking about it. Okay. Okay. Zach has got it. He's going to he's gonna read it off his phone. Some of the comments. Are you going to do voices? We, I think there were like 80 comments, so there. you don't have to do no, all of them. I won't go through. I'm just, I'll flip through. Um, <laughs> one player said, it, it upsets me that I must make this choice. Gah. Um, my head hurts. My heart hurts. Um, then Felicia, of course, chimes in and says, I understand what you're going through. This is a really tough decision to make, but the default should go to the majority. At and that at that time, point, it was Copeland, Copeland was winning, uh, to which I responded lovingly, Dvorak all the way. Uh, and that started up a bunch of people talking about this. Um, somebody said, same, hands down. Merwin chimes in and said, I really thought this would be closer. Um, and uh, then Felicia wrote in, but simple gifts. Anybody who wants to vote for, for Dvorak, think about simple gifts. <laughs> And then somebody chimed in and said, Felicia, but from the new world. <laughs> that was so funny. And then Merwin responded, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> in all capital letters. Caps matter. I'll see your simple gifts and raise you a new world. <laughs> but right? from the new world. That's, but from the new world. And then Brad chimed in and said, now I'm really thinking we should have put Sam Adler in here. He would outlast them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. 
Got a good response with that one. I yeah. wish I'd have yeah. thought of it when I was seeding my seed. But, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, uh, some some inner office dialogue uh, really erupted um, when Dvorak started to come back, and I said, "Come on, Dvorak, closing the gap. Don't let that little simple gift stop on your going home." <laughs> Felicia wrote back, simple gifts, fanfare for the common man, Lincoln portrait, to which I responded, cello concerto, ninth symphony, Slavonic dances, Rusalka, Dumki trio. Lowercase. Exclamation points abounding. (laughs) And uh, we just continued on. There were some really interesting statements. Uh, A conductor that we sometimes work with chimed in that New World Symphony is more American than Copeland bang uh, that ended up with a lot of comments um, I also got a lot of texts about that one um, wow. Another, wow. another conductor said uh, here's a hot take some people don't actually like Copeland they just like Appalachian Spring Hoedown and Fanfare for the Common Man all and good pieces all good pieces but you know that doesn't mean that you really like Copeland and at this Brad Cresswell changed <laughs> the entire <laughs> sequence of the race when he said okay y'all convinced me to change my vote <laughs> And I was not this happy. Responded, and, and Felicia freaked out. Go ahead. She freaked out. And this is yeah. Felicia freaking out on Facebook. She wrote, all caps, Brad, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yeah, which I can hear in your voice. There, there are only two women in my life that I can hear my name being said in, in that way. And w- one of them is my mother. Yeah. And the other one is oh, you, man. Felicia. Brad. Yeah. And <laughs> it was great. Um, Brad responded, you know, professionally saying, hee hee. Um, <laughs> friend of the show, Tom Harms, said, A2, Brad. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> so is March. A little, a little uh, yeah, a little backstabbing going on there. Um, and, uh, you know, after that, really, the, the, the tide was with Dvorak. He, he took the lead. He kept up. Um, it did remain a photo finish, which is why uh, Felicia uh, offered Brad a bribe of Deitch <laughs> Brothers chocolate-covered pretzels uh, if he would change his vote it's back to Copeland. Just yeah. for you. Yeah. And uh, Merwin had to come in at, as commish and say, uh, this is an unbelievably tight race, and if the vote... Um, is tied, we would extend voting for 30 minutes, but otherwise he would call voting at one thirty and 0 seconds. Wait, can I intervene yeah. here? Yeah. And, that, and that ruling was uh, painful because I think behind the scenes, I, I kept trying to get people to vote for Copeland, like personal <laughs> asks. And, they're like, as and soon then as he was I going to work. extend it and I couldn't <laughs> find more people. <laughs> Yeah. So you were you were stuffing the ballot box? No, they were they could you go can't in do and that. vote. Hey, she still lost. Can I well, just say one thing rules? here? Can I just say one thing here? We've been talking about this for the last fifteen minutes. We 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 are we're you know, judging by everything we've said so far, we're not nerds at all. <laughs> No, totally not. Highly yeah. intelligent music fans is the way yes. I'd like to position that statement. This is, this is what happens when I'm you gonna, take I'm sports and put it in the hands of musicians, right? I'm going to interfere here and say that huh. I think actually the better um, derogatory term to use is geeks. Geeks, because okay. when you're geeked out about something, you're just really, really excited by it. Yeah. And I think that what one thing that I just love about this is it combines the incredible passion that we all have for our favorite composers and then adds the element of competition. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, I completely agree with you, Merwin. I'm just so happy that Dvorak managed to win despite Felicia's wicked efforts. He screenshotted the, the result right at one thirty so that there would be no 
No question. Well, yeah, I mean, because people kept voting after that. They did. And, yeah. and they were running. It just kept going up for yeah. Dvorak, actually. Yeah. Well, I want to talk more for about Copeland. this. But Copeland. Copeland. I, I want to I give Copeland a rest here. And we can come back and we can talk oh, some more about He has plenty of time this. to rest. He's out of the tournament. Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about April Fool's Day because, because it is, this is our April Fool's episode, right? So we got to get into the April Fool's thing. I feel like. They, the April Fools will be. Wait a second! They're actually going to spend the entire episode talking about the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And we'll just call it. And well, I, so we have to keep going, is what you're saying? I, I, I would just no, love I'm to kidding. say, if we're going to leave this topic, there are some hilarious matchups. I think Merwin did a great job, um, kind of pairing up some of these composers. Um, Shostakovich versus Scott Joplin, I thought was rather interesting. Wow. Um, Duke Ellington versus Scarlatti. Uh, I, I thought that was Alessandro Scarlatti, not not, not Dominic. Ah, I missed oh, that part. Yeah. I missed that, that part. That was a very interesting yeah. one. Um, I, I, Hildegard I versus Philip Glass. Yeah, I can see I'm the the connections. But the, I'm most excited by the um, Andrew Lloyd uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber versus Berlioz. That, that, Andrew Lloyd that, Webber versus who? Say it again. Berlioz. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. Two yeah. two bloated egos facing off together. Um, Can we just say though that Merwin has been writing fantastic copy to for to, <laughs> yes. to set up these face offs? You were talking about Berlioz, you know, in his dress and wig with a knife going after. Andrew Lloyd Webber. I mean, you know, stuff that is that musically informed. Happened. No, yeah. but it's it's actually there. It was it was that. Let's face it. Berlioz is going to take Andrew Lloyd Webber out back, poison him, stab him, and shoot him while dressed in a bleeping French maid's outfit. And I'm here. <laughs> and I'm there for every freaking second of it. <laughs> this that is music history as it should be taught right there, right? Because because you know Berlioz, as we know, was a fruitcake, but a musical genius. <laughs> Do people know about this? As a, that's not, I, I didn't pull that, you know, for, you know, that was just not a segment of my imagination. Yeah. That's a real thing that happened. That's a real thing. He he was coming back uh, from his time in Rome after he won the, the prize of Rome. And he had been there for a while. And in the meantime, his fiance had decided to shack up with somebody else. And he decided he was going to go back and, you know, kill him for lack of a better term yeah. <laughs> he obtained a french maid's outfit he obtained vials of poison and pistols and he was going to poison and stab him and then shoot himself that was his plan yeah and then he got off the train i believe in nice and then that's nice decided to lie down in a field of flowers and missed his train and so there he was in a french maid's outfit this oh is he a, was in a french maid this has to be in a movie somewhere. Somebody has to make a Berlioz movie if they haven't done it already. It's a perfect yeah. character for a movie, seriously. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're getting so off track. Well, here. One, one that I would really love to talk about, though, because I think this one warrants some conversation, is um, Franz Josef Haydn versus Sergei Rachmaninoff. Oh, Haydn was a second was seed, and Rachmaninoff was a 15 seed. And it's a really brilliant 15 seed. Like you think about, you know, Absolutely. Rachmaninoff, he's had a bad season. Every time his concerti are played, there are too many notes. Haydn is the father of the symphony, really created the quartet, um, string quartet repertoire from my perspective. How did he lose this from his reputation? Yeah, uh, that was a hard pill to swallow too. And also Haydn... I mean, Haydn, one of the funniest composers who ever lived, worked all those musical jokes into his music before 
Mozart came along with his, you know, musical joke. But I mean, Haydn's somebody who, when you really listen to his stuff, I, I mean, it's so unpredictable. And that, and that, I think that mm-hmm. was, you know, what gave birth to the idea of the the modern symphony, or yeah. at least the classical mm-hmm. symphony and the string quartet and things like that. I mean, Haydn, such inventive music for his time. I don't know. And I yeah. guess the question I'm I'm wrestling with is, yeah. it was inventive for his time. Is it? Is it still inventive from our time, or are we in a time now that's much more suited to Rachmaninoff? I don't know. I mean, Rachmaninoff, among all these people, is the only one tall enough to play basketball, probably. <laughs> well, <laughs> At six foot six, and those great big, enormous, you know, uh, piano hands, he probably would have done pretty well on the court. Armand, who used to um, intern with the symphony, is now teaching in Texas, right? Yes, Texas. Uh, had a great comment on this. He said, Haydn's reliable. He can shoot from anywhere on the court, and he would he would play some good old-fashioned fundamental ball. Rachmaninoff's flashy, and he will shoot the half-court buzzer beater, but he also has his fundamentals on lock. He studied and played with all the greats that came before him. Rachmaninoff is the LeBron in this situation, and Haydn is Larry Bird. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of like Larry Bird. Well, but, sure. Yeah. So, and I like Haydn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. So I, I think in this case, you kind of have, you, you're actually coming down to who's voting, who, who the electorate is, right? And I think in this case, it's a lot of orchestral musicians. And any violinist gets a chance to play both Haydn and Rachmaninoff. But you're, if you're thinking about a lot of brass players, they only play one or the other, right? Like, I think if you're a piano player, I think you're more likely to be voting for Rachmaninoff as well. And I think it's just one of those things. Um, we always talk about in Toledo how, you know, Toledo loves Rachmaninoff. Maybe if we were holding the tournament in a different city, we would have had a different result. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So, in yeah. France, maybe. <laughs> or in, <laughs> wait, who, Rachmaninoff and uh, I'm blanking now. Who was he fighting? Hayden. Hayden. Oh, you already here, forgot. And I was <laughs> actually, I was actually looking at a, a quiz that I have here with his name on it. Yeah, Hayden. Oh my, that's I, great. I was no because I was thinking about other composer matchups that I would have liked to have seen, like Philip Glass and Franz Schubert, because they have the same birthday, right? And uh, and they have some kind of you know strophic similarities between them. So that well, would have been an interesting matchup. So just to explain, you know, committee members each chose a line of seeds and then other committees. So like Zach gave me the eight seeds, Felicia gave me the nine seeds, and then I had to try to find what I thought were the compelling matchups between the two. So it's not like I could just rig the bracket to do, say, a Philip Glass and Franz Schubert. Yeah, but you but, but basically what you just described, you you are rigging the bracket. I mean, you're you're picking <laughs> stuff that you think in, works together. In a together. controlled environment. Yeah. But but I only get four options from each thing. It's yes. not like I get to use any composer and put it against any composer. I thought you did a really good job balancing things. There was some really interesting I, I could tell you had a little bit of sense of, you know, music history and reputational um yes. face offs. I loved that you made uh Bernstein versus Mahler. I thought that was yeah. spirited. Um, <laughs> you you yeah. had uh, you had Richard Strauss versus Satie, <laughs> which I said to Felicia is like an elephant sitting on a canary. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let me jump in because I did all this research for April Fool's Day and we're not using any of it. 
<laughs> Which and, is a and, really great thing to do for April Fool's research. Yeah, April Fool's on me. <laughs> but I, I mean, talking about April Fool's Day, okay, and nobody really knows where it came from. It, it may have been like when they switched calendars back in the 1500s from Julian to Gregorian. It used to be that New Year's Day was April 1st. Then they moved it back to January first, and Wait, then it's for, January first for all the people in Western in the Western world, yeah, for all the people that thought it was still April first, um, they called them April Fools, right? <laughs> so that's one possibility. Uh, there are other things, you know, it's related to the spring equinox, the vernal equinox, and uh, Roman festivals, things like that. The one thing that we do know for sure is that um, the "kick me" sign was invented by the Scottish in the 18th century. That was a practice that they used to do. That I don't know what "kick me" would be in in their language, but w- w- was the "kick me" sign taped to somebody's ba- or pinned probably yeah. in those days? Yeah, yep. that was the idea. Yep. Okay, so that's just an example of different prank ideas. You sure. know, that you can play on somebody. The "kick me" sign might be a little hard to pull off, but I've got a Especially list of if pranks it's pinned. here. Exactly. And social distancing. That's I, true. I, hey, yeah, I don't. I, I haven't thought about how many of these. Most of these you can do. Except with it, social distancing, because you pr- you prepare yeah. the scene and then you run away, and, yeah. and as long as you're watching from six feet away. But instead of saying "kick me," you'd have to say like "poke me with a selfie stick." Yeah, or "get away from me" or something <laughs> like that. But how do you slap yeah, a sign on you someone? <laughs> you need to like. Touch uh, that's a good them. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put it on their yeah. shirt before they put it on. So anyway, in the limited time we have left, I want to get in um, some ideas for pranks. Some of them I'm sure we all know, but there's still time. You know, April Fools isn't over yet for folks who are listening to us on the radio. So uh, one of them is, you know, you can attach an air horn to somebody's seat, right, when they sit down. This is like an office chair. These are office pranks. An air horn. An air horn. This is taking a whoopee cushion to a new degree. I have a whoopee cushion. (gasps) Okay. Why did you look at me when you said that? She she pointed at you, too. (laughs) Um, The the other thing you can do is, like, instead of caramel apples, you can make caramel onions. Fun activity. Oh, that's horrible. (laughs) Fun activity for the kids at home. You can do that. Another one you can do, this is great, um, and this is something you'd have to play on members of your family, I, I would think, uh, unless you just have random people living with you, which is entirely possible. Well, in this day of social distancing, that's not yeah. recommended. But you go in the shower, and you unscrew the shower head, right? And you put in a little chicken bullion cube <laughs> in, in the shower, and then screw it back on. So when they take a shower, they're getting it's chicken like soup, chicken. right? <laughs> I can tell Zach's going to try this at home. Yes, let That's us know how one. that goes. And then what you have to do at the same time, you, you take the bar of soap and you paint over it with nail polish so it doesn't sud or anything. Uh, so, <laughs> it so it doesn't, doesn't do work? Anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know if These are spouse... from your past experiences, oh. right? Yeah, those pranks yeah. all through high school. Now, Brad, yeah. I, I grew up in a family of nine. I can't believe that nobody's ever done this in my house. Yeah, because we love to prank. These would be great pranks. Uh, do you guys have any examples of pranks that that you think are fun or or that have happened to you or that you've ever pulled on somebody else? I don't do pranks. You don't do pranks. <laughs> There's this great. I found. This. I have. I have one favorite one. Oh wait, I do um, have. A, I did okay, do a prank. Go, go for it. Well, it's not really a prank, but I think we just. Merwin? We, we just... <laughs> Are you still there, Merwin? Are you laughing or dying? Dying. Merwin? He's dying. Okay. Yes. Sounded like a cough he's and we di- all freaked he's out. Dying of, <laughs> dying of laughter. I, this is not really a prank, but we, um, in the marketing department, wrapped uh, Zach's door with a big banner. 
bronze versus radiohead that's yeah, not a prank I, I was very happy about it i'm very sad when people took it down yeah um somebody did um once uh, fistooned my office with post-it notes everywhere um my favorite prank that i ever played on somebody else is that i um i got a very good friend of mine uh who is not particularly fond of felines uh a year subscription to cat fancy in his name um and That's better than fancy feast. They like send cat food to their door every week for a year. Why am I getting cat food? No, it's just because you know everybody gets hit hit up for you know different school fundraisers and magazine drives. So whenever yeah. that happens, I just send them a, a you know outdoor living magazine or something like that. Cat fancy. Yeah, I've seen it. People talking online about there's a service that you can sign up somebody's phone number to, and then they get cat messages. Oh, like, I want that. Yeah. We'll have to look into that. That's a because yeah, Felicia. Because some people would do it not as willingly. A prank. They, yeah, <laughs> I like cat messages. I think that's why they have it. <laughs> I, I want to tell you about um, a fun little thing that happened back in the '60s. This was from the BBC uh, radio, and you know, the '60s. It was a time of great experimentation in music, and you have people like John Cage and other composers who are opening the door to pretty much anything being music. So BBC, they decided what they would do is they would air a piece of music that was actually fake. It, it was on April 1st. They got some percussionists into a room with a bunch of different things, and they were like, just bang on these. You know, you guys <laughs> just make up a piece, and we'll invent the backstory, right? <laughs> so the name of the composer was Piotr Zak, Z-A-K. Right? Wow. Yeah, so- sounds like, like a you. really smart guy. Piotr Z- Zak. And That's Zach's real name. There were a couple of percussionists with fancy names that supposedly did this, and it was called Mobile for Tape and Percussion, or maybe it's Mobile. I'm not sure what they would say. Mobile for Tape and Percussion. You can find this online. It's actually on YouTube, and you can listen to the original broadcast, which is very serious and talking about this composer and everything. Evidently, it had it got reviews. It was reviewed by... <laughs> It was taken totally seriously by the establishment. Now, to their credit, most of the reviewers said that it was pretty bad. <laughs> but wait, wait, is this like scotch tape? Like you wrap gifts with that tape? No, like tape, like pre-recorded tape. tape, like cassette tapes. Cassette yeah. Tape, yeah, but even okay, though they <laughs> they were just making it up as they went along. That's yeah. amazing. And and listening to it now, you know, having heard all the pieces of music that have been invented since, it doesn't sound that far afield from a lot of music that is out there. So. This you can find on YouTube. It, it, it's it's really fun to listen to. I remember NPR used to always have a fake story. Do they still do yeah. that? I, yeah, I think they do. I'm I, sure I, they do. I just love it when the world kind of falls for things yeah. like that. Well, how great. many have you fallen for? Because I've fallen oh, for yeah, a few I've fallen for several. Yeah. yeah. Bob Edwards used to have some really great April Fool's jokes. Felicia, I think you've fallen for all of them, haven't you? Well, once <laughs> I was in a bathroom and... <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me get some music for Next? this. No, no. This is. I'm just. I'm just painting the picture of what people assume about me, and they're correct. But um, I was in the bathroom, and I think someone had. This was like a public restroom. Someone had flushed, and at the same time, someone else said, "Look, gullible is on the ceiling," and I had. I didn't hear anything because of the flushing. So I looked up, and they're like, "Wow, that is so Felicia." Wait, I don't so get it. Felicia. Gullible is on the ceiling. What does that mean? Like a word, and, gullible? Yes. And then you look up and it's not there. This is horrible music. Yeah. 
like a clown car. Where did you think the story was clown going, Brad? Music. I don't know. It could be anywhere. But yeah, it could have been anything. It's tame. Tame. Oh. You guys have so any uh, favorite examples of musical jokes? Anything stand out for you? Uh, are we allowed to use kazoos? <laughs> if you got them, hey, flaunt them. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I always think back to the surprise symphony, which does have a kazoo story there. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that to me was when I was a kid, one of the first times I, I realized that there was, you know, humor and, and laughter coming through the music, uh, just because you know, I can only imagine everybody sitting in a theater back, back in Haydn's day and, and jumping at the sudden brass announcement. Well, we're going to stop right there because we have limited time today, but, uh, I do want to thank everybody who took part in our little April Fool's uh, episode. We spent a lot of time talking about musical mayhem, but also got in a little bit about April Fool's itself. So, you know, you you can certainly, I'm sure, come up with your own pranks to play. It's still a little bit of time. And, and honestly, any time is a good time for pranks. It, it's kind of like Mahler or Bach. Any time is a good time for a little pranking. Pranking, indeed. Especially when we're all, you know, sequestered and staying at home with our loved exactly. ones. Exactly. Yeah. So, kids at home, we gave you some ideas. Make sure you don't tell anybody you got them from us. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Felicia and, and Zach trying out the, the soap and the chicken shower. I think uh, I'm going to go home in short sheets and beds. <laughs> there you go. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. With generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation, you can download episodes of our show as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. My thanks, of course, to Merwin Sue for joining us by phone. Thanks, Merwin. Stay home, stay safe and stay healthy. Also to Felicia Canny and Zach Vassar, I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.